a lot of people are busy, but they're not achieving their results. They're not achieving the things that they want to do. They're living a very unfulfilled and very unhappy life. Welcome to the Career Success Coach Podcast. If you're an accomplished professional ready to attract ideal opportunities, level up your career growth, and create a powerful presence in your industry, you're in the right space. I'm your host, Sarah Macris, and I'm passionate about helping executives and business professionals become visible in their space, establish themselves as a leading authority, and create their dream opportunities. Let's get started. Welcome to the Career Success Coach podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Macris, and I'm thrilled today to have on the show Julie Hyde. Julie's global reputation was built on transforming large businesses from toxic to top of their game. She's resurrected lagging leaders considered bottom third to be the star performers and game-changing role models. She's the CEO of a consultancy business. She's a speaker, author, podcast host, and Telstra Businesswoman's Award nominee with two decades of corporate experience tucked under her belt. Julie has a proven ability to be a total game-changer whose wins come from expert strategies, integrity, and experience. Although she does admit she cheats at board games, in 2021, it took on a new meaning when she was dealt a tough card, cancer. But one of Julie's proven strategies is turning obstacles into opportunities. Yes, even with cancer. So she sees the diagnosis as a game changer and a vital chance to reassess priorities. So welcome, Julie. It's so great to have you. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thank you, Sarah. So as you know, I help people build powerful personal brands so they can accelerate their career. So your area of expertise is really valuable for my listeners today. And what I'd like to sort of start off with is, can you tell me a little bit about your career? Yes. So I jumped into the corporate environment pretty much straight after school. So I had a 21-year career in the finance industry. I started from the very bottom, started as a teller. And then I worked my way up to senior leadership and I had an awesome career. Like I had opportunities every two years to sort of progress and I got some, you know, fantastic promotions and I was really lucky to have great leaders who believed in me and my ability. So lots and lots of experiences and as I say, it was a really great career and I loved it until I didn't. And I couldn't work out why I was unhappy in a place I'd I'd basically grown up in. So 21 years, I'd really grown up there. And I sort of worked out that our our values were going in complete different directions. So it was a real fork in the road for me. Do I keep wanting to progress? Do I keep wanting to climb that corporate ladder? Or is there something else that I want to do because the pressure was on um, to just keep going rather than maybe stepping back and doing something that I really, really loved, which was interesting. And that's when I jumped out and I thought, I'll just start my own business. So I did that. So <laughs> what do they call that now? They call it the people who are jumping out of career, out of corporate at the moment. There's a lot of, you know, it's very timely. Absolutely. And of course, there's a lot of women who are doing that because they can't find the opportunities that really suit them. So they step out and create a business that is really flexible for them, which is great for them and their empowerment, but not so great for the organization because they're losing really, really good talent. Yes. 
So tell me a little bit about when you started to build your business, like when you stepped out. Tell us a bit more about your business. That's probably probably the second time that I realized how important personal brand was because <laughs> I jumped out. I really, at that time, so I jumped out about, it was 15 years ago. Yeah. And before then, networking wasn't such a massive thing that it is now. And I really hadn't networked outside of my organisation. So I'd networked within that four walls. So all my connections were there. Yes. And so I've jumped out into the world of small business and I didn't have anyone really around me that understood what I was now doing. So a lot of people just thought, oh, wow, you know, oh, you've got your own business now, you're free and um, you can have <laughs> coffees all the time and catch up whenever you want. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be lovely? But um, I suppose the key thing that I realised was that I always did well in the organisation because I had that big red star behind me. Like I was representing the organisation. And when I jumped out into my own business, I was representing me. Yes. So that distinction in mindset was really, really huge. And also understanding that now you've got to build your own profile and you've got to do it bloody quickly. <laughs> um, I should have done it before, but I didn't. Do you know, it's funny that you say that, Julie, because I see, I speak to a lot of executives in that situation who are, you know, who have an influential role in their organisation and then they might not be going out to start their business, but they might have found themselves made redundant or, and they need to find another role. And suddenly, you know, and I've also worked for some big companies and you sort of almost take it for granted when you're there for how much influence that organisation has related to you. It is a really good point because it's not only if you decide to leave, it's those situations where you might want to leave, but the decision's been made for you as well. The timing's not quite right. So no doubt the message you send really loud and clear is that you need to network. So that's something I definitely got my skates on with. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great because I had to, I find... Um, organizations that got groups of people together. So BNI was something that I joined, which was great yep. for me for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But it also got me talking about me. Yes. So the one thing I realized was people don't care about my past so much, all the study I've done, or whatever that is. They care about me. And why would they buy me as opposed to buying, you know, the guy? they've met last week just really getting your message across really clearly yeah so how did you sort of decide okay like what steps did you take initially and were you a little bit apprehensive about putting yourself out there at all yes I was and I get a really red chest when I get nervous so I flushed sort of up to here so every time I had to speak about myself I'd wear pollen neck tops whether it was summer or winter. Oh, that's a good strategy. That's a good strategy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to hide that. But, um, you know, I would um, sort of write out what I wanted to say yep. um, when I was introducing myself or if I had to do a presentation about me and I would practice it. I would practice it into the mirror. I'd talk to my cat. She was yeah. very, very intelligent. Cat. And patient. <laughs> 
That was probably the first thing that I did. It's like, okay, so what do I want people to know about me? What's the key thing? Because you can't waffle and people switch off anyway. So what's the key thing that people want to know about me? And then how do I get that across in 60 seconds, which was the, the initial pitch? So it was a really, really good thing to do. Mm. So you've been in business for how many years now? Would you? That's huge. It's a massive um, achievement. What would you say was your sort of uh, secret to success? I think the secret is to understand that you need to continually evolve. It's not a set and forget thing, particularly what I do sort of when I'm consulting into businesses and really talking to people about um, and empowering people about leadership because the leadership evolves continuously. Yes. So I suppose the key things are to make sure that I'm getting feedback Mm -hmm. and understanding, you know, am am I hitting the mark? Am I not? You know, if I haven't won a pitch, why not? If I want a pitch, why? Um, really keeping my finger on the pulse as to what's going on out there, listening to what people are saying everywhere, whether it's in a coffee shop, your friends' conversations, people at barbecues, you can really pick up things that are happening, particularly in the workplace and how people are feeling and what challenges are, of course, you know, together with the research that I do. And it's understanding that you've just got to, let go because I'm a massive control freak, but it's like you've just got to let go and delegate. Yes. And empower those around you, but also stop aiming perfection because when that's it, a hard one, isn't it? It is because when it's your name out there, as you will know, it's like it's really hard <laughs> to go, oh, okay, I'll put something out that's sort of three quarters happy with or seven, eight. Otherwise, it never sees the light of day, does it? <laughs> Otherwise, you just sort of stay in your comfort zone. So if you're not feeling uncomfortable and nervous or getting a red neck, you'd be probably not growing. Thank you. So, you know, strong leadership, and I know this is your space, so is a requirement for executives to progress in their career. And you talk about self-leadership. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? This is something that became really evident to me throughout my corporate career. And I am a firm believer that you cannot be a leader of others until you can lead yourself first because how you lead yourself will absolutely have a direct influence on how you lead others. So, you know, if you're holding yourself accountable, if you're taking responsibility for your actions and non-actions, if you're empathetic, if you're, you know, how you lead with your heart or your head or both, it's going to have a direct impact in, on how you lead others. But there's been some research just recently done by the McKinsey Global Institute, and it's really interesting in terms of it's looked at the kinds of jobs that will be lost as well as those that will be created due to automation, AI, and robotics take hold. And it's inferred that the high-level skills that will become increasingly important as well. The need for manual and physical skills will probably reduce, but basic cognitive ones and social and emotional and technological skills will grow. Right. So what they found is there's 56 foundational skills, and I won't go into those. (laughs) They fit under four categories, which will enable people to thrive. And that is, number one is is cognitive, which includes critical thinking and mental flexibility, which I think is really important and for the future. Interpersonal skills, which is building relationships 
and teamwork. It encompasses those things. The third thing is self-leadership. That is um, self-awareness and self-management. And the fourth, of course, is digital, which is no surprise, which is around the digital fluency and understanding systems. You've got that there, that self-leadership is absolutely critical because the more self-aware we are, the more successful we can be because we understand our impact that we have on others, which is critical to leadership. Mm. So how do you get a feel for what your impact is on others if you're a leader in your organisation? And this can be, obviously, we've got leaders out there who have a title only and that's how you would define them. Yes, (laughs) we've all had them, haven't we? Yes, exactly. And then you've got leaders who can be, who don't have titles who are at any level. And I think that how we can really assess our leadership is by really reflecting on the results that we're achieving and, as you say, the impact that we have on others. Now, those who are self-aware will understand the impact that they have on others if they're able to read, you know, body language, what's being said, what's not being said, and the tone that people are speaking to you in. And if they're open and honest with you, I think that's a great reflection of the impact that you're having on others. But those who aren't self-aware or who just don't care, just keep on sort of steamrolling through. I think it's really down to the individual in terms of really assessing that feedback. And those who are smart will be asking for feedback. That could be quite scary for some people, especially if you have no self-awareness and you are you know, asking someone for feedback, that can be quite scary for the person giving it as well. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, you're going to, the quality of feedback that you get will be determined on the type of leader or the type of person or the type of brand that you have. So if you're getting really honest feedback, you are winning. Yeah. And I think that's a really great insight into the relationship that you have with that person. Whereas if you're getting someone who's just telling you that you're amazing and you're wonderful and you may well be, but if they're using those sort of blanket words, that blanket language, it's sort of worthless feedback in my opinion. So sometimes I have conversations with executives about a situation at work, for example. I've had this experience too where you've looked around the office and you've seen somebody who seems to be getting promoted a lot, doing well, but everybody sort of knows they have no self-awareness. You got any thoughts on that or how that happens? It's just so frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is frustrating and unfortunately until organisations really understand that the person who makes the highest dollar may not necessarily be or be the most technically savvy, might not be the best person to step into a leadership role or to take that next level up. That's a really good point though, isn't it? Because often it is people who are promoted because they're really competent, I suppose, certain roles, not all roles, and they get, you know, they're really good at sales or they're really good at the technical side and then they get into the leadership and they're like, I don't even want to do this, this part, you know? <laughs> That's right. Leadership is challenging and it brings a whole different dynamic. So that's where people skills come into it. And it's probably about 90-10 because you stop achieving through yourself. As a leader, you achieve through others if you're leading people. So it's a completely different dynamic at play. So yes, I see that often and I see poor behaviours tolerated often because the person is bringing the dollars for the organisation. 
Yeah, I've definitely seen that too. And I've seen where a company has tried to exit somebody for bad behaviour and it's backfired. And I think some people need to assess whether leadership position leading people is for them because it might be that they are still in a very senior role but they don't have that sort of part of their job and that's okay too you can still be very successful without having a huge team if that's not your bag yeah absolutely and I suppose that's where that self-awareness comes into it it's just really accepting who you are and who you're not Yes. And understanding what your strengths are, playing to your strengths and leveraging those rather than, you know, going for the glamour role it's often perceived as in terms of leading people. But when you get into it, it's not glamorous. (laughs) No, not if it's something you don't enjoy and you're not good at. (laughs) Uh, So would you have any, so for our listeners, in terms of improving our self-awareness and our self-leadership, what would you, uh, and you've mentioned feedback, is there anything else that you think people should be focused on? Yeah, I think it's it's really in line with what you talk about in terms of building your brand. It's really, really similar. But I think the first thing is to make a decision that you are going to be a leader in the true sense of the word because it is a choice. It's a complete choice as to whether you do that or not. So that would be my first thing. The second thing is to really define how you want to be as a leader and understand your strengths that you can leverage so, you know, what do you want people to say about you? Um, how do you want to be known? How do you want to be remembered when you move on? And then what is the attitude? What's the mindset? What is the actions, etc., that will support how you want to be known? And of course, as you mentioned, get feedback. And then you've got to make it happen. You have to make it happen. So you've got to put plans in place to make sure that you are sort of demonstrating the behaviors that is going to support how you want to be known. I really like that. Sometimes people don't think about those extra things that you do, like just little habits you might have. Having a really stinky lunch right, <laughs> on your table every day might not be great for your brand or having a really messy desk. Uh, I'm a bit of a messy desk person, I must say, but nobody has to see it here. These things all contribute. Yeah. So it's really doing that reflective work and understanding what are the habits that you need to break and what are the habits that you then need to start to really support yourself. Mm. Another one I've seen is, and I was reading an article on it the other day, the importance of small talk, you know, and some leaders you'll have, you know, they'll come into the office, they won't even say anything to anybody. You know, I'm talking about some bosses I've had in my past. They won't speak to anybody. They'll go straight to their desk. Then other bosses you'll have who will come in and chat to everybody. How was your weekend? How was this? How was that? So there's a real difference. And even if you're not comfortable doing that, being aware that is a good thing is probably something that will help you in your career, I would imagine. Uh, absolutely, 100%. Even Brene Brown shared a story where she used to go up to people and say, right, you know, so where are we at with this? Good morning, where are we at? Blah, blah, blah. It was all folk, um, sort of results focused. It really upset some of her employees. It was like, I know that's I, I don't that's so against my values. I really value that small talk before we get into that results conversation. Yeah, that's very interesting. And it really is a tendency. It depends on you as a person, doesn't it? Some people just feel very comfortable in that space and that's fine. Yeah, it's fascinating. So you wrote a book 
which I think is fabulous on the topic of busy. And it makes you really stop and think about a lot of things. And you can read more about Julie's content on LinkedIn as well. But so often we fall into the trap of saying I'm busy. I mean, I say it, I know I say it, I say it to my kids and I think about it a lot now. I'm like, oh, I want to stop saying that. Um, but one of the traps for executives that I speak to is that they're so busy doing the doing of their work and their day-to-day job that they don't really get time to focus on their positioning and their networks. And as a result, their careers stall. So, I mean, there's two elements in that. There's the busy, but also prioritization, I suppose. Busy, I think, is one of the most overused words in the English language, especially here in the Western world, because it's become a real culture. And it's something that we've fallen into the trap of believing that we need to be to be successful, because what are we if we're not busy? So it's really interesting, this definition that we've made up about busy and a lot of people are busy but they're not achieving their results they're not achieving the things that they want to do they're living they're living a very unfulfilled and very unhappy life because they're just caught on this treadmill of busyness and they get to a point where they're asking the question you know why am I doing this and that's not a great place to be so as you said, you know, busy can keep you in the status quo. It can keep you in your comfort zone and it can prevent you from doing the things that you need to do to progress your career because you're too busy doing other things because the things that you might want to need to be doing to progress are the things that make you feel uncomfortable. Yes. So the thing, maybe the networking stuff, you know. Yes, yes, creating content. Absolutely. It's like, oh, I don't want to write an article, so I'll find something else to do. And, you know, those procrastination strategies and just working your way through your to-do list if you have one and finding the easiest things to cross <laughs> Suddenly housework is so appealing when you've got something you don't want to do, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God, it's amazing what I can find to do. I don't want to do something. I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah. Well. So I think it's become a real badge of honour and even a competition between people in terms of, you know, how busy they are, unfortunately, in organisations. And when I do workshops around this, I've identified eight types of busy that we do. Yeah. And we might do one or a few types of busy. But it's like I encourage people to stop saying that they're busy. Yes, It's really flipping the focus from this busyness, which is so boring because everyone apparently is the busiest person on the planet and you just hear it all the time, to understanding that you need to be educating people about what you're doing, the difference that you're making, you know, what are you working on at the moment, saying something different to everyone else because that's also going to help you get noticed. It is. You're right. And it's such a default, you know, oh, I'm busy. But you're right. If you're saying, hey, I'm speaking on a podcast next week or I'm doing, I mean, people remember those things. Well, suddenly that's interesting. They don't tune out, do they? Totally. It's more interesting. So I think we, we miss out on a lot of opportunity. So there's the element of what do I say if I'm not busy? But what about if people really do feel like they've just got so much on their plate? How would you approach that if that's the situation for someone. Yeah, and people do, and it is real because they're just like, they can be like that out of control busy, which creates overwhelm and stress. 
And, you know, it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but when people are at that stage, I really encourage them to to stop, to sit down, to get everything out of their head, down on paper, because when you can see it, you can do something about it and you can prioritise what's important and what's not. Because when people get stuck in the busy trap, they create a lot of drama in their mind about it, like it becomes a real mindset and then a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's like, okay, I need to stop. I need to get this down on paper. What is this busyness? What do I need to be doing? And then how do I need to to do it? People often speak to me about, okay, so how do I deal with the boss that just continually loads me up with work? Yeah. And what do I say to them? I can't say no. And it's like, no, of course you can't say, well, I wouldn't suggest saying no to you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, absolutely, I can do whatever. But can we please sit down and let's prioritize everything that I've got on and understand what I need to do first, second, third, fourth, fifth, because if I take this on, something's going to fall down the list. So can we work out together? Yeah, that's really good because sometimes it's also about, you know, all of that work could just keep coming and then you've got no time for your own goals and priorities. Yeah, exactly. I actually have a free course on my website which enables people to take a bit of a deep dive into their busyness and do a bit of a check mm, on. That sounds know, great. It's reconnecting back to their priorities, what's really important at work, what's really important at for you. For yes. You. And then understanding how you're going to achieve that and then things fit in around it but we can't do everything all at once no no it'd be good if we could but we can't (laughs) oh that sounds wonderful well thank you so much is there anything that you want to leave us with any final message for our listeners today i think the final message is you know we all have a choice in how we live personally and professionally so we've got to understand we need to leave that and adopt a mindset that serves us and how we want to achieve what we want to achieve. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Julie. It's been a pleasure. All the show notes are below. You can grab that course that Julie mentioned. And I will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you've learned something from this episode that's going to help you make actionable changes in the way you approach your career. If you liked today's episode, make sure to rate, review and share this with a friend. And as always, see you next time.